This is Husker Sports with Sports Nightly. First, tonight's sports headlines. Good evening, I'm Josh Hilkeman. News coming out of the Olympics today. IOC member Dick Pound told the USA Today that the 2020 Games would be postponed to 2021 with details still to be worked out. The Olympic Committee responded with a statement saying, quote, it's the right of every IOC member to interpret the decision of the IOC EB, which was announced yesterday, end quote. The IOC had announced Sunday that it would review the status of the Tokyo Games over the next four weeks. Plenty of NFL news today as well. The New England Patriots cut veteran kicker Steven Guskowski. He had been on the team for 14 season, which made him the longest tenured Patriot player, albeit for less than a week, following Tom Brady's exit to the Tampa Bay Bucks last week. And the Carolina Panthers traded quarterback Kyle Allen to the Washington Redskins today in exchange for a fifth-round draft pick. Allen was an undrafted free agent in 2018 and will join second-year QB Dwayne Haskins in Washington's quarterback room. Live inside the Husker Sports Network studios, I'm Josh Hilkeman. Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, on you, first down. It's on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Still practicing our social distancing here on Sports Sunday as we welcome you to another week here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend, kind of a blah weekend weather-wise, but maybe that's okay as we're all self-quarantining here during these unbelievable times that we live in here in 2020. 20. Welcome to the program. Hope you did have a good weekend. Another day, Ben, another major sports cancellation or so that it appears. And Josh had it for us there in the ticker with the Olympics look like they're going to be pushed back a year. You've got an IOC member saying that that's what the decision is a day after the IOC came out and said that they would be reviewing this over the next four weeks. But I think the writing was kind of on the wall. You had the Canadian Olympic Committee coming out yesterday and saying, hey, we're not going. If you have the games in July in Tokyo, we're not coming. Uh, you had a couple major U.S. sports organizations, USA Swimming and USA Track and Field, both going, we're not we're not sending our athletes over in these current times. Uh, so we may be about ready to chalk off another major sports event that's going to be altered by this COVID-19 virus. I think this about covers the gamut, doesn't it? I, I mean, I mm-hmm. think that was really the last thing uh, left that that hasn't had hadn't had a ruling or um, you know didn't seem to have have discussion about it. Uh, everything else seemed to have already shut down. But uh, I mean, there's there's really not a lot of point in in rushing back into this thing. Um, I know it's unprecedented move. It's a move that hasn't really been done. You know, you you go all the way back to World War Two. You know, to when the Olympics had had changed years, it's been a really long time. But this is an event, maybe not uh, as violent as World War II, but certainly has affected just as many countries as World War II. Um, so definitely something that uh, I think needed to happen. And you know, just for the clarity of all the athletes, the ones who were responsible for training, and <clears throat> you know, you think about where those athletes are at in their training process. This is about as ramped up as where you need it to be uh, in, in terms of getting yourself mentally and physically ready for an Olympics run. So, um, yeah, obviously a ruling sooner rather than later was was, was best, and, uh, you know, we now have our decision there. 
I don't know. So if, it appears. If, I don't know if, if this was you or not, but the first thing I thought of when I heard this earlier today was Jordan Burroughs. That's the first name that popped into my mind is the, the great Husker wrestler who's been gearing up and getting ready for this, and he's at the end of his career, toward the end of his career. This could be the last Olympic Games. Can he hang on? Can he still compete at that high of a level for one more year if this gets pushed back to 2020? So that was the first thing I thought of when I heard this story break a couple of hours ago. Yeah, I mean, anytime the Olympics, the summer games get brought up anyhow, um, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan and have been around the state, that's typically one of the, the first guys that comes off the top of your head. And, you know, what he's meant not only to the United States of America, but especially to Lincoln, Nebraska, and Coach Manning and the Husker Wrestling Program, um, you know, it was just, uh, it's just something that grips you and, and, and you know, rocks you, the, something like this. And, you know, for for Burroughs, you know, the way that uh, things have kind of happened for him, you know, Coach Manning was on with us a week ago to kind of talking about his journey and what it would take for him to get back to the Olympics. And, you know, being the team's last representative would just need to win a two out of three against, um, you know, an opponent in his weight class. It, it uh, yeah, it certainly hits close to home, you know, in that area. Uh, with with Burroughs and you know the amount of um, medals and the amount of trips to the Olympics that that he has given, not only to the United States but to to the University of Nebraska, um, you know you're definitely you're w- wondering what's left for him and how much, as you said, he has left in the tank. Ben, in a normal year, we would be coming on on this Monday, and we would probably be complaining about our brackets because the first weekend of the NCAA tournament would be in the books. We would have the Sweet 16 set. Um, How much did you miss it this weekend? And I know CBS was replaying a lot of classic NCAA tournament games over the weekend. Did you you watch any of it? I didn't watch much. Um, You know, it really hit me hard on Thursday when we got on here to do our show, and Nate Nate and I kind of had the same conversation. You know, we should be talking about the upset of the day. We should be just tipping off the the evening games and – um, you know, again, talking about our brackets and how the Big Ten's doing. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's where it really stunk. You know, I think it, you know, once we lost um, those first wave of games into the weekend, to me, it still kind of feels a little bit to me like we're living living in an alternate reality to some extent. Um, I certainly have missed sports a lot. Uh, don't get me wrong, but. Um, you know, the idea of, of watching old NCAA games from start to finish just uh, – it didn't do a lot for me. And, I, and I'm guessing it's just because being around it, you know, has just made me miss, you know, what could have been this year. So, um, again, everybody's going to kind of handle this in their own way. I think it was smart to show those games because College Hoops fans wanted something to latch on to. But, um, you know, to me, without without having this year's drama – you know, having the drama in years past, just it wouldn't have been the same. No, I, I couldn't do it. A couple times my I'm going through the channel clicker and I came up on it. I'm like, yeah, I, I just can't do it. It doesn't feel right. I don't I don't. It almost made it feel like it hurt more when I saw it because I'm like, ah, I really would be liking to watch a, a one seed in trouble against an eight seed over the weekend or, you know, a major upset on Thursday or Friday, as you referenced earlier. So I, I didn't. And I know probably a lot of people out there did. And that's great. That's fine. But I, I'm just. I, I just couldn't stumble upon that. Something that it broke since you and Nate were on the air on Thursday night. We hope everybody enjoyed our great game 
on Friday with the 2014 Husker win over Miami in football. But since you guys left the year on Thursday, there's been a couple of big Husker news um, news of interest, and, and one relates with basketball, and that's that Deshaun Burke has entered his name in the transfer portal and is no longer going to be a Cornhusker, a young guy that came to, to Lincoln two years ago, sat out last year, the final year of the Tim Miles era, and then was a, a mainstay of Fred Hoiberg's first team here in in Lincoln, he did get suspended for the last game of the regular season and did not play at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis when Nebraska made their one game appearance back there. One, are you surprised by that? And then two, I mean, I guess it does open up a scholarship for this coaching staff to go find somebody new. Well, I think this just kind of fits the um, kind of the mold of what Nebraska basketball has been. Uh, I think everybody and the players included just looking for some stability and it's, it just hasn't really manifested at all since, since, uh, since the staff has taken over and, you know, you look at what that team looked like when we were in Italy and what it looks like right now. And it's just completely changed again. You know, I remember going to Italy thinking, Man, it's gonna be really fun to get get to know, you know, what these new Huskers are are like and 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 what they're about. Well, you look at that team, Greg Monte Cavas, Hanif Cheatham, gone seniors. Samari Curtis didn't even make it to the turn of the year. Deshaun Burke and Gervais Green both transferred, and three of those guys that went on the trip didn't play. So, you look at guys that played last year that were on that trip. It's really Thor. It's Kevin Cross, and it's Charlie Easley. Just those three. And, and Big and Ivan. So, well, I, yeah, Big Ivan didn't play. Ivan wasn't either. there. So, yeah. you know, of of getting to experience that and be around that and, and you know, get to know and be spend time with those guys and, you know, looking back and 80% of them aren't going to be here and getting our first look at, at Derek Delano and, and – uh, and obviously Ivan came back last year and Shamil, you know, those three guys that sat out are, you know, this is kind of our first time getting to know them as players too. So it's certainly been uh, a whirlwind. And I think what everybody is searching for, and I think it's why, you know, maybe Gervais left and, you know, Deshaun left, you got to, you got to wonder if just what type of stability that they're looking for. And especially Deshaun now as a graduate senior, um, it's just, I, I don't know how to explain it other than I think Nebraska just needs to find their footing as a program and get this thing rolling. But I also think at the same time that, you know, this is something that is the norm in college basketball, just players transferring, maybe not to the numbers that Nebraska has had this year, but, you know, definitely in a sense to where you better be on that waiver wire every single day looking at potential additions and this coaching staff has done that because you never know when your next domino is going to drop and you know with Gervais and uh and Deshaun in the last week and a half you know you you just got to wonder is there anybody else and you know with DJ Carton transferring I know Nebraska has reached out to him the freshman from Ohio State that took that mental leave of absence to focus on his health I think uh I think now you know everybody's on your radar and you just got to find a way to get some stability. You know, I, I had somebody say over the weekend, well, they're just starting over again. I'm like, no, not, that's not really true because Thor's coming back and Kevin Cross and Big Ivan, and then the three that sat out were really a part of the program all year this year. So that's six. So I, I said they're, they're light years ahead of where 
last year's team was when you were with them in Italy and when the season began back in November. So I, I don't want Husker fans to think that, that they're just completely starting over. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of new parts to it. There's, there's no doubt about that. But there, there's been a lot of the culture set in place. The style of play has been set in place. I think they're I think they're light years ahead of where they were last April when this the staff took over this program. Well, they didn't even know each other, Greg. I mean, they they had spent a couple of weeks together, and uh, you know that was pretty much it. And then you know the idea of going to a place where I, I don't know I, the ones that I talked to, none of them had been to Italy before. A completely foreign place with one another. It made them uh, you know get used to each other really fast. And the thing that I really liked about the way Coach Hoiberg and, and Luca, Luca Virgilio, who's the, the director of ops, the thing that I love that they did is every place that we went, they, they made them change roommates. So, you, you know, you weren't stuck with the same guy for all 10 days. You were doing, you know, all these different things, going to see all these different places. But, you know, when the day was finished, you were coming home and back to your room and hopefully getting used and getting, getting to know your roommate. And I think that really helped. I, I don't know that – one of the reasons I can tell you these players are not transferring is because they don't like each other. I mean, these players really did like each other. They like spending around each other. Even Samari, you know, when Samari left, I know he and Kevin were really close. And, you know, you could still follow them on social media with them um, talking to each other and, you know, saying how much they like each other. He and Gervais, too, for that matter. And, you know, DB was always the, the vocal mouthpiece. You know, if you saw any of that footage on the BTN documentary of our trip to Italy, it was always Burke, the one giving the toast at dinner every single night. And he was the one that kind of brought everybody together because you'll remember, you know, he was one of the only guys on that team from, from two years ago. So, you know, he was he was a glue for a lot of guys here and, you know, with the news, it, it, it stinks for me because I really liked him as a person, but you really hope he can go somewhere, probably end up somewhere back on the East Close Coast next to New Jersey where he's from and, and finish out his career the way that he wants to. All right, well, there's the basketball news that happened since our Thursday show. There was some football news and some good football news as Nebraska picked up a commitment for the 2021 class, and it's a Georgia inside linebacker, Christopher Paul, Jr., uh, obviously, inside linebacker is still a position that's going to be closely watched as the team gets back put back together whenever whenever this virus threat gets behind us. But Christopher Paul, and I, I think a nice addition to the 2021 class, and here this is a dead period right now, Ben, because of the coronavirus. The coaches can't go actively out to recruit or bring kids on campus, but Christopher Paul felt comfortable enough with Nebraska to pull the trigger. Yeah, this is a guy that, that I definitely have my eye on uh, because <clears> – <throat> He, you know, Nebraska's in on some other linebacker linebacker prospects that are four and five stars. One of which is a top fifteen player in the country. Christopher Paul's not that. I mean, I think he's close to the fiftieth rated player in the state of Georgia, which is still pretty high, but it's definitely not a guy that's going to crack uh, any top one hundred lists. But the thing that that has me interested about Christopher Paul is. You know, you go to what Ryan Held says all the time, what Coach Frost says all the time, and even Coach Shenander. When we find a guy we like, we're going after him. I don't, we don't care who offers him or or what their you know recruiting situation is. If we if we find a guy and evaluate him, and they don't have their great offers, that's fine by us because when we like a guy, we like a guy. So they see something in him that that they can bring to that he can bring to the table and be a good addition because. Even his offer sheet doesn't necessarily blow you away. Uh, I think Michigan State, TCU, 
West Virginia. Those are probably the biggest schools that Nebraska was able to uh, to take away from uh, Paul from. But I think at the end of the day, the coaches looked at him and saw something that they liked again in that southeast part of the country. This is an intriguing guy that I could see coming here with a big chip on his shoulder and um, you know plays with a lot of attitude. So Christopher Paul, newest member of the Husker 2021 class, committed to Nebraska over the weekend. All right, glad you're with us here tonight on the program. Eric Crouch, newly named to the College Football Hall of Fame, is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. One of three Nebraska Heisman Trophy winners. So finally a chance to catch up with Eric. He heard about this when he was in Jamaica on vacation with his wife. Uh, but I'm certainly I'm glad. I'm sure he's certainly glad to have that. So looking forward to chatting with the newest member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Eric Crouch. Phone lines are open for you to join us as well. If you have some thoughts about the sports world, 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Back with Eric Crouch next. First down and 10 to go. Here's a handoff to Thunder who gives it back to Mike Stunts. He's going to throw it. He's got a man out yes. there. 40. It is Eric Crouch. 15, 10, 5, We're back, Sports Highlight Monday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Glad you've chosen us to spend some time with here on a Monday evening. A couple of weeks ago, former Husker great Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch was named as a member of the 2020 College Football Hall of Fame. A well-deserved honor for one of the legends in Husker football. And he joins us now on our Sports Highlight Hotline. Eric Thanks for being with us here tonight. Congratulations. Boy, this seems long overdue and certainly well worth it to you, my friend. Well, first, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it it was a surprise, really. It means a lot um, to be able to um, represent the state, the school, uh, teammates, coaches, family, friends. I mean, anybody that uh, has helped me along the way, I know that it wasn't anything that I that I did. It was more uh, all the help that I've received along the way. So I'm just uh, very honored to, to be able to uh, represent everyone. How did you hear about it? You know, um, I was in Jamaica on vacation, um, group of, group of friends, and um, got a, a text from uh, Matt Davison. And Matt was, you know, pretty adamant about getting me on the phone for like a call or some type of video call. And I just, you know, uh, decided, you know, actually I called him back, but my phone wouldn't go through whatever the service in Jamaica to the U S wasn't connecting. So he just asked, Hey, can you, can you call via FaceTime or video call or something? So then I started thinking, well, what's he got going here? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, uh, so you know, the video came on and there was coach Osborne and Matt and coach Frost and they were at practice and they basically were, you know, congratulating me and, uh, um, and they were saying they're happy for me. And I just thought, you know, you guys are pulling my leg. What are you guys talking about here? Because Matt was like, is this first time you're hearing about this? I'm like, yeah. So I, uh, was out of town, didn't get a call in time from, uh, Nebraska or not Nebraska, excuse me, the national football foundation. And so it was really caught me off guard. It really did. So it was pretty cool. It was a nice way to have some reason to celebrate even more down there in Jamaica. I bet. And probably, you know, you have to be suspicious anytime Matt is involved in something, right? I mean, that's a, that's that's I the mean, kind of guy that would pull that over. Yeah, you know, I was like, okay, what's going on here? You guys are pranksters. <laughs> well, as you reflect back, and, and Husker fans certainly had, there were so many great moments for you. And 
fact, we're going to put up a Twitter poll here tonight talking about people can get on and vote for their favorite moment. Do you have a couple that stick out as you reflect back on your Husker playing days? Yeah, I mean, there's several. I was fortunate enough to have so many great memories in Nebraska. Um, you know, the the, the catch uh, against Oklahoma was a great memory of mine. Um, the run that I had um, against Missouri. Um, you know, the list kind of goes on and on with great memories for me. The the, the hit against Iowa, you know, uh, helped start my career. Um, you know, I, I, against California the, the next week after that Iowa play, caught a pass. Uh, ran one in, uh, threw one, and had my name and picture next to Johnny Rogers in the morning paper Sunday morning. So that was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even the touchdown Notre Dame overtime uh, in South Bend there, that was just a really great football game. I think it epitome of college football and just really enjoyed all those, um, you know, things that I had. Uh, they were just great opportunities for me to have a little bit uh, fun on the football field. We're busy with – Eric Crouch, Heisman Trophy winner, and now a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He'll be enshrined at a banquet in New York City in December. When you when you think back to your career, you were recruited by Coach Osborne, but redshirted his final year. So you were the first quarterback of the Frank Solich era. What, how, how close did you get with Coach Solich, and what does he mean to you as you think back on your playing days? Well, he's a, you know, a great coach, um, you know, good friend awesome mentor uh him and turner gill both i mean they were just great people and i just enjoyed every minute of my career and um you know i couldn't you know be more thankful to have those guys in my life uh, during that time um you know taught me a lot of things about life not just football and um things that you can just carry forward to uh, your friends and your family and affecting your community so i'm just grateful that i had such you know awesome people uh, that not just you know only didn't care about just football but who you were as a person i think that means a lot and um you know they were some of the first to give me a phone call and uh you know say congratulations and uh you know they had a huge huge influence on on me receiving uh, this induction you mentioned Matt earlier. I just I want to get your thoughts about your teammates, and I know you keep in touch mm-hmm. with Matt. But but talk about some guys that you got particularly close to as you were pl- going through your playing days and your college days here in Nebraska. Yeah, I mean uh, Dominic has been a, a you know someone that I t- you know still talk to. Um, you know, there's Mick Botner, the guys I talk to quite a bit, and uh, I see Kyle Cor- Cole Morgan and. Uh, you know, I kind of wish I saw more guys, um, you know, than I than I have, um, you know, but there's a lot of teammates. I mean, Matt Hoskinson and, you know, some of these other guys that uh, you, you are living in our communities, Monte Cristo. I mean, there's just so many guys and um, you know, everyone's got busy in their lives. Uh, we always wish we could see each other more. But, you know, again, um, you know, the guys that were ahead of me um, inspired me. Um, you know, gave me a lot of confidence and, you know, made me fight for the history and the tradition of Nebraska football. And, and hopefully I've been able to, um, you know, influence those that have come, you know, uh, after me in uh, the way that I played the game and, and uh, some of the things that our, our teams and, and uh, players were able to accomplish. Eric Crouch is with us. He was two weeks ago named to be the latest class of the National Football Foundation College Football Hall of Fame, the 19th Cornhusker player to be enshrined. The last one was Aaron Taylor, 
who was a, a terrific offensive lineman for Nebraska, in fact, a two-time Outland Trophy winner. If you if you were standing on a stage, Eric, and, and with surrounded by some of the top quarterbacks in Nebraska history, who would be around you in your eyes? Wow. I mean, there's um, Turner Gil, a lot of You mentioned great Turner Gill. He'd probably be Turner. more. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, all of them. All of them. I mean, they all – had a, a huge impact in in uh, in the way that I played, in the way that I uh, went out and uh, led our football team at practice and games uh, in the weight room and out in the classroom. It's just you know everybody's got something different to give, and so I'm just uh, like I said, I'm this is nothing I did. I didn't do anything special. I just you know did my job. Uh, I was surrounded by great coaches and players, and there's so much tradition at this program that uh, you know it just it. it it really drives you to want to succeed and to want to be the best. And I guess that's uh, where I was at in my career. I had, you know, guys like Scott Frost and Tommy Frazier and Turner Gill and, you know, uh, Steve Taylor and uh, Taggy and Gradowski and, you know, list goes on and on and on. Even guys that, are, you know, didn't start um, or didn't have a huge, you know, uh, experience playing in games, but were there, you know, competing and making you better at practice. I mean, there's a lot of those guys as well. So, you know, I guess just everybody uh, that is involved in the program uh, should just, uh, you know, be celebrating this. Um, like I was, you know, for the guys in the past, you know, every time someone got, you know, from Nebraska put in, it was just, you know, made you feel good that you were part of such a, a great program. And obviously the honor is great for the person, but man, you're just so proud to be part of uh, Nebraska football. It's an amazing fraternity, the the one of Husker quarterbacks. I want to ask you something about the current one, and that's Adrian Martinez, Eric. He had such a great freshman year, maybe didn't put up as good a numbers as the sophomore season went along. As you watched the, the team play last year, and you've been in that situation where you're the guy and everybody's looking for you to make plays out on the football field, what, what did you see when you watched Adrian play last fall? And your thoughts about him, he's certainly a, a wonderful young man. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, I think he's got a great ability to lead. He's very talented. He can throw every route. Um, he's strong. You know, he's got just about everything you want, um, you know, in a dream quarterback. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, for some reason, uh, you know, he was set back a little bit last year. I don't know if it was he was a little more injured than what people thought or, you know, he just, uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure what it was. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's certain things uh you know he lost to you know good receivers and but i think he's got to understand that um you know he you know is the leader of the offense and he's got to take responsibility for uh getting his team on the same page whether it's receivers running backs or offensive line and and i and i, I got a lot of faith that he can do that i mean he's definitely the guy um He's shown that he's got the great ability to play the game. Uh, I, like everyone else, uh, would love to see him win more football games. And so uh, hopefully the, the whole entire program, the staff, uh, coaches, players, um, everybody involved will you know, up everybody's game so that next year when we're watching Nebraska football, we're, you know, we're putting up W's on the board and, and uh, you know, showing that excitement from the past that I know Nebraska uh, can do. 
Very good. Well, Eric, we appreciate it again. Congratulations. A well-deserved honor. Can't wait for you to get to New York and enjoy the banquet in December. Hopefully we get life kind of back to normal around here, and you'll be honored at one of the Husker football games. Stay safe, my friend, and again, congratulations. Will do. Hey, thanks, Greg. Appreciate you having me on, like always. There he is, former Heisman Trophy winner and now a Hall of Famer. Eric Krauss joining us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We do have a Runza Twitter poll up for you to take a look at, and it deals with Eric Crouch. What is your favorite moment from the Husker career of Eric Crouch? The touchdown catch against Oklahoma, the 95-yard run against the Missouri Tigers, running over an Iowa player, or the game-winning touchdown run against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Get on there and vote. Um, right now, it's the touchdown catch versus Oklahoma's leading it. Again, we, you can follow us on Twitter at Husker Sports. Who would join Eric Crouch on a Mount Rushmore of Husker quarterbacks? Ben and I will get into that if you've got some thoughts about that. Love to hear your take at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Take some calls and we'll discuss next. Darren Diedrich is a lone setback. Tracy Wistrom also in the game at tight end. He goes in motion to the left. Eric Crouch pumps once. Is in trouble. Eludes a tackle. Gets out of the end zone. He's to the 5. He's to the 10. Crouch to the 15. Out across the 20. Crouch to the 25. Out across the 30. 35, 40. Look out. He could go. He's to the 40. He's to the 30. He's to the 20. He's to the 10. He's all the way. We're back for hour number two. Big hour coming up. We're going to talk to Husker baseball coach Will Bolt here in just a couple of minutes. And... Our own Lane Grindle has been making all kinds of news with a tweet that has gone viral, encouraging people to rehang their Christmas lights. What's that all about? We're going to get the skinny from Lane Grindle coming up a little bit later on. Did you take up Lane's advice, Ben? Did you hang rehang your lights? No. I didn't uh, either. Because that means I just have to take them back down. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. How do we feel about, you know, uh, Josh talked about the, the NFL and the ticker there. How, how do we feel about the Chiefs the last three weeks? I guess they, they got Chad really Henning signed, anything. right? Chad uh, Henning's signed a backup quarterback. They signed a, a, an undrafted corner from the Giants. Uh, they've obviously lost a few that, you know, that they knew they probably weren't going to be able to re-sign. Wisniewski, who they signed, uh, who wasn't even playing when the Chiefs signed him, but with the lack of depth that Kansas City had at guard late in the year, he really came in, did a nice job. Um, but, yeah, they really haven't done done a whole lot. When you're Super Bowl champs, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> uh, did they franchise Chris Jones? Yes, All they right. did. Which I think is um, a wise move. They did, but it, it's, uh, it's non-restrictive, so other teams can negotiate – a long deal, a long-term deal, if they want to shell out two first-round picks for them. You know, there's always that clause in there. Um, you know, that, that not restricted, non-restricted tag. And, you know, Chiefs obviously working on a deal with him as well, but put that non-restricted tag on him. So if someone wants to come pay two first-round picks for him, Kansas City would, would take that. So I, I did see it. A graphic this morning, Ben, that the Chiefs have the least amount of space under the cap in the, of all 30 teams in the NFL. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I don't know if that's where you want to be, but you got number 15 on your team. We got number 15. We got number 10. We got number 87. 
<laughs> we got number 32. We got number 95. Don't have 21 anymore. Um, no? But, yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins will will obviously try and make it work with Kansas City. And the one thing about Mahomes, who's going to send – who's going to sign an absolutely historic contract whenever it is that he signs. But he did say he's willing to give a little bit of a discount um, – to sign other players, which is which is a good thing. So, you know, Mahomes is fantastic, but I also like having Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and uh, Nicole Hardman and some of those other guys to throw to. kind of helps. Yeah. I think we maybe ought to lean toward an NFL topic for Top 10 Tuesday tomorrow, don't you? Are you? Yeah. Is there enough, I mean, is there, enough there to do something with? There might, there might have been enough news to warn a list, but okay. we'll let the uh, powers of B discuss it. The commissions. Yes. Let the, the commissions do that. We're going to shift gears from the NFL to talk some college baseball. I'm delighted to welcome on board the head coach of the Cornhuskers, Will Bolt. Coach, uh, I, we should have been in Colorado Springs tonight, getting ready to play the Air Force Academy and a couple of midweek games in the next two days. But obviously that's, that's not the case with the coronavirus that has strangled our country over the last 10 days. How, how have you First of all, appreciate being on here with us, but how have you processed the last 10 days? Yeah, you got you kind of go through a bunch of different stages with it. Um, I think you've got the initial shock, um, almost disbelief, where you're, you're going from uh, playing a Wednesday game in front of about 4,000 Husker faithful, uh, you know, to getting ready to get on a bus on Thursday and then realizing that that weekend series isn't going to happen and then um, – you know, a short amount of time later, finding out that the season's not going to happen. It, 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 there's just a lot of different stages of this where you're you're having to get over the initial shock, and then um, then you realize how big this issue is globally, um, nationally. Um, you know, not even taking sports into account, just trying to you know people's well-being and their health and and those kind of things. So you're making sure your players, their parents, your loved ones, your family, your staff's family, everybody's, you know, in a good place. And that's kind of where we've been. And I, I'll say this, just having, having some family time that's not normally there. Um, I, I, that's something I'm not taking for granted at all. Ben and I were on our way to Wichita coach when we turned the car around and headed back. And I know your team was probably getting ready to, to board a bus and, and head down there for a weekend series what was what were those immediate hours like? How much emotion was there when you met with your team? There was quite a bit. Um, just kind of the timeline there. So we're we're speaking with uh, Coach Wedge there and and uh, Lauren Hibbs, their director of baseball operations. Really, the first conversations that morning were more pertaining to moving Friday's game up, possibly due to the, some bad weather going on later in the day. So th- those were kind of the first conversations and we had kind of established that we were going to move the game up. And, um, you know, I think in the back of our minds, the conversations were like, well, hopefully this happens at all. But I think we were all kind of still somewhat expecting it to go on, uh, you know, and then they get the call from the American conference that, um, that they're canceling all sports. And this is before the big 10 had made a call, um, you know, so then we're thinking, okay, well, who knows what's going to happen with the rest of the year. And then, you know, so we meet with a team to tell them that we're not making the trip. They're obviously disappointed, but there's still some hope there, um, you know, that we can continue playing, um, you know, and then when the announcement's made, I think everybody's again, just that shock, disappointment, uh, uncertainty, uh, 
all those emotions kind of wrapped into one where you just have no idea what, what to expect. And gosh, I can tell you that just the first, I don't know, five days after president Trump kind of let the United States know that this was a big deal seemed like a month. I mean, just those first few days just kind of crawled by, um, you know, with, with guys just out of their routines and, and that type of thing. So a lot of emotions there from our guys, but I think they've kind of gotten to the same part we have as coaches where you, you get over the initial part of it. And that's what you're kind of pre programmed to do as an athlete is just move on and try to find, you know, the next best solution. So um, unfortunately there's still not a lot of answers there, but um, you know, our guys are getting by the best they can. For some of your players, your seniors, namely, that might be it. Their baseball careers could be over. I know the NCAA is talking about some legislation maybe to give those young men a, another year of eligibility back. Update us on that, and where do you stand on all this? Well, the there's still a vote to be determined um, as far as the NCAA goes, uh, meeting with uh, some compliance and athletic directors and chancellors and all those things. Just in terms of eligibility goes, I mean, I, I, for one, would love to give everybody a year back um, just right off the bat. I mean, that's kind of the knee-jerk reaction especially is like, well, okay, we only played 15 games. It's not fair. Just as it's not fair to the seniors, it's not fair to some of the freshmen, um, you know, that may have only had an at-bat or two uh, or an inning or two on the mound, you know, to have to lose a year for that. So but by the same token, I, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction is not always necessarily what's going to be the smartest. And so I, I don't have an answer for what the smartest is. I can tell you I'd love to give every kid a year back because they worked so hard and felt like you got it ripped away. But I also understand that there's a lot of other things that go into it. Scholarship, you know, numbers, roster sizes, uh, where's the money going to come from for the extra scholarships across the country, um, just eligibility issues, there's just a whole lot of other moving parts that, that come to that. Um, so would I like them to get a year back? Absolutely. Do, would I understand that this sometimes life's just not fair and there's things bigger than baseball that, that play into it. That That's part of it too. Visiting Husker head baseball coach, Will Bolt here on sports nightly on the Husker sports network. Where are they now? Are there some guys still in Lincoln? There, did some of them go home? Do you have any idea? I mean, like this would have been the spring break week for campus. Have you had much communication with the fellows? Yeah, we've we've been in communication. Um, we we had an initial after our last team meeting face to face. We got a bit of a head count as far as what guys were planning on doing. We from that initial um, meeting, which would have been um, the Friday that we we're supposed to be playing at Wichita State. Uh, at that point, all but about 10 guys headed home, um, out of town, no classes going on, uh, face to face. We weren't able to practice as a team that, that determination had already been made by the NCAA at that point as well. So there wasn't a whole lot for guys to do around here. Um, so most of them have gone home, um, and kind of, as we've gotten a little bit deeper into it, I think just about everybody, um, that's not local has headed back, um, back to their hometowns. I don't want to add a lot of salt to this, but you were playing pretty good baseball when this thing got shut down. You'd won six out of seven. It looked like your team had kind of found a way to win some games on a, in different forms there at the end of this thing. Yeah, we, we had. we, And that was what I was most proud of is because, you know, to be a good team, you've got to find a way 
like you said, to win in, in different fashions. And we, we had kind of shown that, um, you know, you're not going to have to win nine to eight. Um, you can win a one to nothing game. Um, we, we had the, the, gosh, the fielding percentage had climbed up to nine eighty. Um, and again, we are far from a perfect defensive team, but nine eighties on pace for a school record. So, you know, we're, we're taking care of the baseball, um, and we're starting to define some roles in the bullpen, um, just in terms of guys that we're going to be dependable to throw strikes. I mean, we'd seen Quinn Mason kind of emerge as a freshman that, um, was going to be counted on to get big outs for us and um, some other guys. So, yeah, we we felt like we were playing pretty good baseball and, and more than anything, um, just finding, like you said, different ways to win. What are you and the staff doing these days? I mean, obviously, you have to kind of stay up up with the recruiting part of this thing. Well, well, give us what's kind of been going on with you and Coach Christie and Coach Harvell. Yeah, we've, we've all been uh, – up until last week, we were still – kind of trickling into the office for a couple of hours a day just to put our heads together with some things. And uh, now that campus has been basically shut down, um, we've kind of got a plan to get together um, two or three evenings a week just after we've uh, been able to kind of help with the kids. We've all got young kids and, um, you know, just do some of those things during the day. And then we'll kind of meet face-to-face um, as a staff a couple of nights a week at least just to you know make sure we're on the same page as far as recruiting goes because there's really only so much you could do via text message email uh, even phone calls just to make sure that the entire staff is on the same page uh, with a lot of things so I think it's important to meet face to face keep that communication going and um, you know just find a way to um, I guess try to get ahead of this thing. As far as you know, Coach, is everybody within the program healthy at this point in time? Yeah, everybody and their and their families, um, I think, are doing well. Um, haven't had any issues that way. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, they're they're back home with their parents, their families. I think that's what the majority of of um, their parents' initial thoughts were: were we, we need to get them here and feed them, and you know, just keep them safe and those type of things. And I totally get that. Um, so as of right now, I think everybody's doing well um, and, you know, spending some quality family time like we like we all are. Sports is such a creature of habit, particularly in the sport of baseball, where you just you practice every now and then, but it's game after game after game. I mean, that's got to be just such a different thing for you, for everybody in, 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 that's involved with Husker baseball, because this is so much out of the norm for you guys this time of year. Yeah, we're used to having no downtime. I mean, we're used to basically having Mondays uh, as an off day where we can kind of reintroduce ourselves to our families and um, just kind of catch our breath, collect our thoughts from the weekend and, and those type of things. So, yeah, I mean, it's a this is a totally different ball game here um, just in terms of the, the downtime, the family time, which, again, like I said, is just – been such a blessing you know the silver lining and all this that, that we get to you know spend so much more time with our families but um yeah the uh, baseball coaches baseball players tend to be creatures of habit because it is an everyday type sport and so we're all having to try to find ways to uh keep ourselves occupied at this point well coach i'm glad to hear that you're safe i, I wish we were calling games i know you wish you were coaching games i know your players wish they were playing games right now but circumstances take that away and and Husker Nation will certainly be anxious whenever you guys take the field again to watch and support this program. 
That's right. Well, I appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is tough times, but we all, I get, I think at this point realize that, uh, there's, there's more to, to life than sports. Um, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but you know, this is unprecedented. So hopefully we can get through and, um, you know, I'll be better for it. Thanks coach. Be safe. Okay. Thank you. You too. We're back on a Monday night sports highlight here on the Husker sports network. Going to have Lane Grindle join us here in just a scant minute. But before we do that, let's head to Lexington and Russ. Good evening, Russ. Welcome aboard. Oh, well, thank you. Good evening, Greg and uh, Ben. You're talking about the quarterbacks. I would say what's your top four list there. I, I would agree with, but there are some other ones, too. Before I get to that, uh, Jerry, yeah, Jerry Taggy's one of them back in my day, back in 71 yep. and 70. But also, Eric Crouch, a couple more highlights. In 99, they finally beat Texas in the Big 12 championship, and he was a quarterback then, wasn't he? Yeah. He sure was. I think he was. And that same year, they, they beat Colorado in overtime, and he scored the winning touchdown there, too, if I remember right. Yeah. There's a lot of them for Eric. Now, that that, that decleater against Iowa was, uh, was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I can still see that in my head. Well, I go back even further than Jerry Taggy and, and uh, Dennis Claridge. Sure. He was the first yeah. quarterback for uh, Coach Devaney De- back Devaney. in 62. Right. And, yeah, he would – you know, back then they just they freshmen weren't allowed to play, so he only had one year in the That's system right. there. And uh, he came in. Coach Devaney came in, and and uh, he said, Coach Devaney said he was the best quarterback he ever coached. So that's quite a compliment. He had some good ones in his time. So no doubt, including Taggy later Dennis. on. Yeah. Oh yeah, Taggy was great. Uh, right. Dennis Claridge in the Orange Bowl in '64, January 1st, they played Auburn. I think the second play from game it was. They called a quarterback trap, and he took it for took it for a touchdown. I mean, he I don't know how many yards it was, but that was very impressive too. So I remember there's that. a lot of them on the list, no doubt. Ross, appreciate it. Thank you so much for the call out in Lexington. Be safe on that part of the state. Lane Grindle, who is former host of our little show here, tweeted back on March 15th. What if we all put our Christmas lights back up? Then we could get in the car and drive around and look at them. That seems like a fair social distancing activity, and boy, did it lead. To something that's gone viral. Let's let's dive into it. His voice will sound familiar. And Neville's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, we appreciate Lane squeezing us in. I mean, you're, you're in high demand these days. Washington Post, CNN, you're all over the place. It's been kind of a weird week in a lot of different ways, right? Um, you know, you and I talked. I was flying home from Phoenix on on Friday the 13th of March, actually, and um, no baseball. We don't know when we're going to have baseball. But, uh, yeah, I, I sent a tweet, didn't think much of it, and it kind of blew up a little bit, which uh, has occupied some time that has otherwise been void. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's given me something to, to kind of – do over the course of the last week that's for sure so you tweeted about with all this downtime and people being at home go out rehang the christmas lights and then families can go for drives at night and and check out uh, some local lights i mean i don't think you had in your wildest dreams that this thing would have taken off the way it did no i really didn't to be honest with you and you, you know this greg because you know me very well and the people that know me the best know that that tweet was a little bit tongue-in-cheek because i don't like heights and so 
when it comes to hanging my Christmas lights, I've had a whole host of issues over the years. Um, going back to when I lived in Lincoln, uh, my last house that I lived in Lincoln, we had just moved in. I hung the lights. I did such a poor job that my neighbor came over and said, why don't you let me do this? And he rehung my lights for me because I did such a poor job. Um, I got here in Milwaukee and uh, my neighbor watched me trembling on a ladder and said, I think I'm going to put those up for you. So <laughs> two different times I've had neighbors put up my lights for me. I've assisted, but I haven't been the one up on the ladder, so to speak. Um, I did put them up myself this past year and um, I put them back up. Uh, like I, like I tweeted, I, when I sent it, it was kind of a joke. It was kind of a, Hey, this would be cool, but I didn't expect anybody was going to really do it. And by the time I woke up the next morning, I was starting to get pictures from people of, hey, I took your advice. I, I hung my, my lights back up, and they started using different hashtags, lights for hope, um, love lights, lights for life, all sorts of stuff started popping up. And I still didn't think a ton of it, to be honest with you, Greg, but then – by day two, my name started showing up in all these stories, and they were crediting me with coming up with the idea. And let's be honest, I don't think I came up with the idea. I think there were a lot of people that had the same thought. I think there were some people that already had their lights already back up at that point in time. I just probably amplified it by thinking out loud, and um, it's kind of taken off from there. It's been a little bit wild. You've heard from a lot of media outlets from around the, the country, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Um, I did an interview that hasn't aired yet, or not aired, but hasn't run yet for the Washington Post. Um, I did a, an interview with MLB.com from our Brewers.com writer, Adam McAlvey. Um, they talked about it on CNN. Jake Tapper had it on CNN, was talking about it. I think uh, a couple of other news programs uh, aired some stuff about it, too. Um, and then, uh, I'm going to be on a couple of different shows coming up this week too, that are, that are national shows. So it, it's been, it's been kind of strange to be honest with you, because it was just such a afterthought. I mean, I just threw less than 140 characters onto my phone and hit send. It wasn't like there was some big strategy behind it or some big, uh, plan behind that tweet. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that it was going to turn into what it's turned into. But it's been fun. I mean, in all reality, even though it wasn't that serious of a tweet at the time that I sent it, um, it's been really neat to see what it's turned into and how some people have really clung to this. And some people have really gone all out with their displays. But just seeing all the different places, not just around the country, but even around the globe, where people have put their lights back up hearing from neighborhoods that everybody in a neighborhood got on board or everybody on a street got on board and put their lights back up, seeing my neighbor put his lights back up, not putting mine up this time. I did my own. But I mean, that, that, that has been really neat. I've seen some business districts that are doing it now. And um, this thing has kind of become a, a, a thing around the country. I, I don't know how many people are really doing it. Um, but I would guess hundreds at the very least have started doing it. Maybe we're into the thousands now. And, and I hope it kind of keeps growing, to be honest with you now, because uh, I think it's been a positive story in what's been an overwhelmingly negative news cycle over the last couple of weeks. And there's not a lot anybody can do about that part of it because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting, as they say, uh, 
um, an invisible enemy right now with this coronavirus. And, and we, we just have to try to stay positive and get through each day and get closer to the other side of this thing. Cause there are going to be great times on the back side of this, of this virus. But, um, any little positive thing we can cling to right now, I think is fun and kind of maybe brings a little bit of unity about too. And, and so I, I, I hope that this thing continues to take off. I hope people keep putting their lights up. Visiting our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle, we knew him before he became a worldwide sensation with the tweet about putting your Christmas lights back up. What did your employer think of this? They, no, I, they, they, they liked it. I mean, they, they got a chuckle out of it and, uh, and encouraged me to do some of these interviews because when I first started getting requests, I didn't know. Um, everything's kind of weird times right now. We're not playing games and so I, I did take it to my employer and said, hey, I, do you want me to do these interviews? And they said, absolutely, go ahead. Um, you know, we, we would love to, to see you promote that. It's a positive thing. It's something that is uh, making people smile, and we're all for that. So, no, they've been very supportive of it, and I'm not shocked. It's a great organization. Uh, I'm, I'm so fortunate to work for the Milwaukee Brewers, and I've been just fortunate in my career to work for the Brewers and before that worked for – a place as great as Nebraska is, as you well know, and um, those are special places. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate that I've been able to, to work at places like I have. Now, this newfound fame, it hasn't completely thrown the family unit out of whack. As you don't have reporters on your lawn or anything like that no. at this point, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're homeschooling. Um, we're self distancing, you know, social distancing. We're doing all the things they're telling us to do. And, um, last week felt like maybe a little longer than your typical week because you're stuck in the house and well, we're making the best of it. I mean, that's all you can really do as a family right now. And, uh, we have chores and we have school time and we're trying to keep everybody on as best a schedule as we can. And, and I think everybody else is in that same boat right now. And that's kind of, I think why some people have just grabbed onto the, the Christmas lights idea or the, the lights for life or hope lights, whatever you want to call them. I think that that's part of the reason why people have kind of latched onto this is because, you know, the weather's getting a little bit better and, you know, it's something to do. It's something to get outside the house, but you're not um, breaking any rules of social distancing necessarily by hanging the lights. And it's, it's an activity right now that I think is pretty acceptable. And so, um, you know, that's, I think, one of the reasons why this has taken off a little bit. Oh, that's great. Well, those of us in the office have a have a theory, kind of a dark side theory, that this might have actually been Luke's idea. I mean, I don't know if there's anything to that, that, that maybe you, you, you poached an idea from your young son. <laughs> no, no, Luke, uh, Luke came out and helped me hang the lights, though. And, you know, he kind of looks at me and is like, Dad, your knees are shaking. <laughs> he points out a lot of obvious things about me not liking being up on a ladder, but he gets right out there in the middle of it. He just wants to know when we're going fishing next. We've got an indoor batting cage. It's not a real one. I've kind of built one in the basement. So that's how I occupy his time right now. As we go down there, I pitch to him. He hits. We do that about three times a day right now because, you know, hey, what else are you going to do? And uh, he's he's waiting for the weather to turn so he can do a little fishing with dad. We went out last week one day um, because again you can social distance with fishing pretty well along the bank, and so we did that. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I I can't give him credit. I I came in with this idea and I just kind of said it out loud as a joke to Allie, and then she goes, "You should tweet that." I bet a lot of other people feel the same way. 
or have thought the same thing. And I think, lo and behold, that's kind of what happened. I had one reporter tell me this week that I got a chuckle out of. He said, you know, 30 years from now, you're going to have this long career as a Major League Baseball announcer, hopefully, but there's going to be this little bullet point in your bio where it says, and do you remember during the pandemic of 2020 when he inspired people to hang Christmas lights? (laughs) It's going to be kind of a strange little, you know, footnote, hopefully, in my career. Well, very good. Well, we hope the next time we have you on, we're talking about the great pastime of baseball and uh, all the wonderful things with Major League Baseball. But in the interim, we wanted to get you on to, to talk about this thing that's gone viral. So be safe, keep the family safe, and hopefully the next time we talk, we're talking about the, the, the ball bat sport. Same to you. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody in Nebraska is being safe and staying healthy. And hopefully we got baseball soon and Husker football around the corner. Those are Those are two things that I love, as you know, and and I want to see them both come back as fast as, as possible.